Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning. Good to see you in church. You look beautiful. I love to see all of your faces. And are you excited to be in church? Happy spring. Danielle was telling me that it isn't spring, but I'm determined that it is. So I just want to say, happy spring. I hope you're excited for this this springtime. This is spring in D.C. The cherry blossoms are confused. Come on. And if it wasn't the case, it wouldn't be springtime in D.C. So we just want to say welcome to our Dulles campus. They are tuning in this morning. Let's hear it for Dulles. Dulles, we are cheering for you and also online campus. Everyone who is tuning in wherever you are today around the world, friends, finding yourself by yourself or surrounded with friends and family, we are welcoming you today and just so excited that you tuned in. I believe that God has something specific and important for each of us today. Do you believe that? Are you excited to finish up our relationship series? I hope that you have gotten a lot out of it. Have you? Um, And, you know, the Bible always has good things for us, doesn't it? Thank God I'm not up here to give you some kind of a presentation based on my opinions and my own ideas. But the Bible is always, always good. So there's something in it for each of us if we lean in and just, you know, engage our faith, believing that God is going to speak to our hearts. Do you believe that this morning? Well, relationships are important. Can we agree? Absolutely. In fact, we, I would say arguably they're one of the most important things that we have in our lives. Yes? The old adage, you can gain material possessions and wealth and influence throughout your life, but if you don't have anyone to share it with, what do you really have, right? It's the relationships that bring fulfillment into our lives. It's the people in our lives. It's the people that matter most. And there's a lot of wrong ways to do relationships, but God gives us his way, the right way, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, the the hope is that we can unlearn the wrong ways and learn God's way, and we can live a whole and fulfilled life, amen? We've had uh, three power-packed weeks, and this is our fourth week, and we've looked at a lot of different truths from the Bible. We looked at five foundations that faith-filled friendships help restore in your life, powerful. We talked about how Jesus modeled life-giving relationships, how he invested with intentionality, how he lived a life connected. And if Jesus needed it, so do we, right? He's our ultimate example. And finally, we looked, about, we looked at um, walking in truth in relationships. Walking in truth in relationships. We talked about recognizing our own brokenness. We talked about uh, kind of healthy boundaries. What was the first? Setting. There we go. I was missing the word setting. Setting healthy boundaries and recreating new healthy patterns. Aren't you 
hopeful that God can help us even in the details of our lives, the things that we're missing, the places of lack that we have in our own lives, that God brings his healing, his wholeness, his hope into those situations. So if you missed any of these messages, I just want to encourage you, they are there online. You can grab those later in the week, catch up, and hopefully... um, Catch right up and be blessed as you continue to listen to that. So today I want to continue on the topic of walking in truth in relationships. And I want to open our Bibles to the verse that I shared with you last time. And that is 3 John. And we're going to read it verse 2 through 4 once again as we dive in, okay? Um, should be on the screen so you can open your Bibles, open your device, and follow along with me. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, say in all things, it's, it's going down. You're gonna have to repeat after me, okay? The louder you are, the more you amen, the less repeating that we do. Okay, here we go. And be in health, say be in health. Just as your soul prospers, say soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we open your word and we add our faith to it and we say, have your way in our lives. Teach us your ways. Teach us how you think about relationships. Father, help us to uh, trust you with this very delicate, often complicated area of our lives. God, we say, have your way. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Transform us from the inside out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last time I spoke to you, we highlighted this idea that prospering in all things and being in health is directly linked to your soul prospering. We talked about how the Apostle John was writing this letter, in particular, all about relationships. Third John, the book of Third John, is one chapter, and it's all about relationships. And he talks to us about the truth that is in us. And as we apply it to our lives and we walk in truth, how we can live a life that prospers, not just on the outside, but on the inside, amen? On the inside where it counts, where, where we can live our lives with a prospering soul. We talked about how... Um, Integrity or living a fully integrated life is living at peace with God in every area of our lives. And we talked about how God enables us to do that by the power of his word as he transforms us by changing the way we think about things. Amen? In every area. Not that we can be perfect, although, you know, that's the goal, right? Be imitate Christ in our lives, but not that we attain perfection, but that we're keeping an open and humble heart, that we're following after God, that as we deepen our knowledge of the truth of the word of God and apply it to our lives, that's the definition of walking in truth, that we can see big changes 
come on, big changes in our lives that, that bring about big transformations, especially in this area, excuse me, especially in this area of walking in truth. Walking in truth is a daily pursuit of God. That's what a disciple is. Do you know that? A disciple is someone who follows. And walking in truth is, is not a, 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 a one prayer concept. Walking in truth and being a disciple of Christ and applying his word to our lives is not a one prayer moment at the altar. It's not a one conference experience. It's not a one decision moment in our lives. It's a daily decision to follow Jesus. It's a daily decision to leave my past behind and pick up the truth of God's word and allow it to change me. Amen? And that's the power of what the Bible does for us. And I'm going to kind of dive right into our message for this week because one of the biggest hindrances to a prospering soul, I believe, in the area of relationships is unforgiveness. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. What does the Bible have to say about forgiveness when it comes to our relationships? What does the Bible have to say? As many of you know, we have four sons, and when they were little, four boys, when they were little, and they're very close in age, especially the oldest three, so everything escalated into some kind of conflict, some kind of physical battle, some kind of safety concern, if you were me looking in. <laughs> A lot of interactions, you know, with the competition and the see who's strongest, right? And the small disagreements that children often have with their siblings, things would often escalate. And there would be arguments, and there would be disagreements, and there would be conflicts. And a lot of times, we would just allow them to work it out. But when they couldn't, as parents, we would intervene. We'd intervene and it would look something like this. We would separate the two boys, whoever it was that was arguing. We would separate them and pull them aside and say to them, what happened? And of course they would start in with all the things that their brother had done, right? All the wrongdoing on the other side that was all the sins that were committed towards them. And we would listen patiently but at some point I would say to them, what did you have to do with this? What can you do better? What do you need to apologize to your brother for? Because what we know is that it takes two in that kind of relationship to make things go wrong, right? It takes, takes two. It's always usually a two-sided thing. So they would get quiet and they would think about it. They would bring up some examples, you know, and as they talked, they would become more and more honest with themselves. And in the process, you're teaching them this concept of kind of like self-investigation, right? Being self-aware enough to know that when I come to, into a conflict with a person that I love, I need to be self-aware enough to realize where did I mess up? How can I make amends? How can I pursue peace with this person that I care about? And so they would come together, and this was the really cute part that I loved. Sometimes I would film it if they weren't watching. With their little mischievous faces and scruffy voices, they would come to each other and they would say, I'm sorry for blah, blah, blah. 
you know, whatever it was. I'm sorry for punching you in the face. I'm sorry for, you know, shooting you in the face with my Nerf gun at really close range. I'm sorry. And then they would say, will you forgive me? And then we would make them hug because that was more for Michael and I. It was so cute, you know. We'd make them hug your brother, love your brother. Brothers are for life. And then they would go about their way because they're guys and they wouldn't take it with them. It, le- it stayed there. <laughs> and they would not hold a grudge and they would go on their way and play the next thing until the next conflict happened, right? If only it was that simple in our lives, right? If only relationships were that simple and forgiveness was that simple and relationships were that uncomplicated. But forgiveness doesn't always seem simple. And relationships are not always uncomplicated, right? Oftentimes it's the opposite. We don't always even get an apology. Isn't that true? From the biggest abuses and wounds sustained in childhood, things that we didn't ask for, things that we weren't in control of, to the everyday offenses that we hold in our hearts, the little things that kind of just build up. We don't always get a simple, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? That's why we need the Bible, amen, church? That's why we need the truth of the Bible, to cut through the complications and say, God, what is your way? What do you tell me to do? How can I live free and whole with a soul that's prospering? Come on. You can't prosper in all things and be in health if your soul is not prospering. And I think sometimes we're, we're pursuing prospering in all things and pursuing good health and we think we're going to get there, but we're walking around with a broken soul, with broken relationships, with baggage that we don't need to carry. Amen. God's intention is for you to live with a prospering soul, to prosper in all things. And so today I want to give you three truths from the Bible about forgiveness. The first one is that forgiveness is commanded. Ouch. Let's read together in Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22. Peter, said, uh, Peter comes to Jesus. He says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, stop keeping track and keep forgiving. This is especially helpful in marriage. If I can just insert that, we're not just talking about marriage today, you know? But over time in our marriages, there's water under the bridge. Anybody married here? Don't make eye contact with your spouse. Just raise that hand right up. There's water under the bridge. And if you don't keep that waterway clear, stuff can start collecting. The Bible says, keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Matthew 6, 15, we are commanded... But if you do not forgive others their sins, the Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is commanded. Amen? It's commanded. We're going to talk about why in a few minutes. So just absorb this. (laughs) Know that it comes with love and hope. (laughs) Forgiveness is commanded. 
Another one that's great in Mark eleven twenty five it says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. It's amazing that the presence of sin can hinder your prayer life. The presences of unforgiveness can hinder God forgiving you. There's things, you know, we've always held on to. We don't even know they're there anymore. They're like the wallpaper in your grandma's house. It's always been there, always will be there, right? We don't even notice it anymore. That's why we need the light of the word of God. That's why we need the truth to come to us, to shine the light into the dark places and say, you know what, that over there, that thing that's rotting in your soul, you can be free of that. It's a command for the life of every believer to forgive so that you can continue that fresh flow of forgiveness between you and God, so that you can have forgiveness in your own life. It's a command. James 1.22 is a passage that we looked at last time um, I spoke to you, and it was about being doers of the word. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, deceiving yourselves. This passage goes on to talk about how God gives us the Bible, the word of truth. He calls it the perfect law of liberty to be our mirror. We look into the mirror to see who we really are. Because you know, if I'm looking around me, if I'm looking at the world around me, I'm measuring up pretty good, right? I'm doing okay. But when I look into the Bible, the ultimate standard, right? It's like, whoa, don't like that. It's like getting that close-up mirror. If you're over the age of 40 and you put on your makeup without that big magnifying mirror, ladies, time to level up. <laughs> Takes courage to look into that mirror and see, oh, oh, those are what they call pores. Those are what they call fine lines and wrinkles. They, they don't look very fine in this mirror. They look giant. <laughs> They look like I could store things in them. But the Bible does that for us. It gives us a really honest look at ourselves so that we can receive the grace of God. Takes humility, takes honesty, takes an open heart. But you can receive the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and he washes over you with his word. But if you are just a hearer of the word and you look into the mirror and you see who you are and you walk away and you forget Guess who you're fooling? Only yourself, the Bible says. When we hang on to unforgiveness, we're only fooling ourselves. The Bible says it's a command. It's a command. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? When he said this, he was not talking to the lost. He was talking to the religious people. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to the people who knew what the Bible said, who knew how to look the part, how to play the part. He was getting into the fine details of our lives when he spoke those words. I'm calling you to release. I'm calling you to forgive. I'm calling you not to hang on to those things. The second thing about forgiveness is that it's a decision. 
It's a decision. And in my notes, I'm adding this. It's a supernatural decision. Come on, this is getting better and better, right? First, it's a command. Now it's a decision that I have to make. It's a supernatural decision. Why is it a supernatural decision? Because I am supernaturally empowered to do the impossible because of the forgiveness that I have received from God through Christ Jesus. I am supernaturally enabled. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. One version says, be tender-hearted. Keep your heart soft. Isn't it easy to harden your heart and not keep a soft heart and allow things to build up and kind of hold those things? No, the Bible says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind, be tender-hearted. Keep your heart soft. This is going to serve you. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. You know, if you understand the way that Jesus loves you with his very life, if you've experienced his forgiveness, the reality that he died for you without any guarantee that you who were created with a free will would choose him, without knowing that you would choose him, he went to the cross and he shed his perfect blood at just a shot of having a relationship with you. And he offers us forgiveness. And if that's not enough, he doesn't just take our sin. He became sin on the cross, was fully rejected by the Father. And he takes our guilt and our shame and our past and our brokenness and our imperfections. Come on, all of our misses all of the heavy baggage that we find ourselves figuring how we can carry it, the things that make us dysfunctional, he takes them, we put them at the foot of the cross, and in exchange, he gives us wholeness and hope and healing and health and a prospering soul, amen? He gives us a way out and a way through, but we have to recognize the brokenness of our own human nature is to hang on to that thing is to hang on to that thing, it's to, it's to feel like in some broken way that when we hang on to that thing, we're controlling it, but we're not. Forgiveness is not trust. That's a different topic. That was last week, about healthy boundaries, about creating new healthy patterns in your life. This isn't about trust, this is about releasing. This is about forgiving. This is about taking the baggage that weighs you down and holds you back and limits you and leaving it where it belongs at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Which leads us to number three, and the question is why? Why the command? God, this is hard. This is counterintuitive as a human being in my broken sin nature, in my brokenness. I hang on to those things, and the Bible says, it's for you. Forgiveness sets you free. Because unforgiveness allows that thing to live inside of you and consume you like poison in your soul. And we don't even realize that oftentimes we hold it, we rehearse it, don't we? We replay it. But forgiveness is for you. Ephesians 4, 31 
says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. This is God's word. This is his instruction of how to keep and maintain and build a healthy soul. How to maintain uh, longevity in your relationships. How to stay in your marriage. Get rid of bitterness. Don't allow bitterness to set in because bitterness is like poison in a marriage. It's like poison in a relationship, in a friendship, in a family. We build walls and we wonder why we can't you know, move forward in certain areas in our lives. It's because we've allowed unforgiveness to take hold. You don't need, here's the good news, forgiveness is for you and you don't need an apology to be free from that thing. You have Jesus. You have the Father who has forgiven you from all your past, present, and future sins. He carries you through and He washes you with His blood and you experience the love of a Savior and you can suddenly have the grace to give that forgiveness to the thing, the person, the area that has hurt you the most. This isn't a message to diminish some of the wounds that we've sustained in our lives, not at all. This is a message of freedom and a message of hope because our God wants us to understand that if we hold on to those things, they're living inside of us rent-free. It's not costing that person anything, it's costing you everything. And he says, in me, you can let go. You can find freedom from that. Forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for you, amen? The opposite of forgiveness is unforgiveness. And the reality is of unforgiveness is rumination, isn't it? Rumination of old offenses, replaying, reliving, never ending, all consuming. The deception of unforgiveness, as I just said, is that somehow if I hold this thing, I can control it. But it's not the case at all. I was reading this um, author, Christian author, Christian writer, He's a teacher, he's been around for years. His name is Frederick Beekner, and he, he said this, I'm gonna put this quote up on the screen that is so powerful. It says, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of, ditter, of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. This is powerful, this paints such a picture because the fact is as we're feasting, we don't even realizing that really what it's annihilating, really what is being devoured is our own selves because it's happening from the inside out. So you can walk around with a smile on your face and you can, you know, say the right thing, but the truth is until you allow the power of forgiveness to come into your heart and supernaturally make the decision to release those things, you will be eaten up. In 2017, the University of Pennsylvania published this study and I was reading it, it was so interesting because it was um, based on just the psychology of forgiveness. And it's amazing to me, and I love the idea that science and the Bible don't compete with each other, amen? We have lots of medical people, lots of science people in our church. They work together, amen, church? And I love this study I was reading, um, and it's just, you know, in 2017, 
the thesis statement is what I want to kind of share with you. But the paper is pages and pages and pages, and it goes on to give all the scientific evidence for all these connections with, um, uh, for what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to read to you right now. But it says, forgiveness is a character strength and process that when practiced is associated with improved psychological well-being, physical health outcomes, and longevity. Forgiveness can serve as a protective factor that buffers against poor health and psychological consequences. Common misconceptions about forgiveness can serve as barriers to desire to cultivate this protective strength as forgiveness is often conflated with permissiveness and perceived as permission for a transgressor to engage in hurtful conduct. Listen to this. The benefits of forgiveness, however, are most significant for the individual who has been transgressed rather than the transgressor. Failing to forgive or unforgiveness is the practice of engaging in ruminative thoughts of anger, vengeance, hate, resentment, and have unproductive outcomes for the ruminator, such as increased anxiety, depression, elevated blood pressure, vascular resistance, decreased immune response, and worse outcomes in coronary artery disease. Practicing forgiveness enables the transgressed individual to reduce their engagement in rumination, thus reducing their experience of anger, resentment, and hate. Forgiveness then is a pathway to psychological well-being and health outcomes. The study goes on to offer, you know, many scientific validation, you know, proof for all of these things. But here's the thing. Science is finding that there's this huge connection and why God commands it and why we have to make this decision. God, why do you require of this? Because it's for you. God's intention for you is to live a healthy and fulfilled life in the relationships that you have. And he can bring healing to the most broken thing. He can bring wholeness to the most shattered thing. He can bring hope to the most hopeless situation if we will allow him to change us from the inside out, amen? Just like a cut that constantly is being opened. Do you ever have a cut on a joint and you're like, I can't not bend my knee. I can't not bend my elbow. Every time I do that, I'm breaking this back open. That's what unforgiveness does for us. When we harbor unforgiveness, it's like a trigger comes and suddenly it's like it just happened. Wait a minute. I thought time was the great healer. No, not always. One smell, one sound, one thought, one visual. It comes rushing back and it's as though you were there in that moment all over again. The power of forgiveness is life-changing. It is life-transforming, and it is full of hope for you and I today. I wanna just pray as we close, and I actually wanna give us an opportunity to respond today to this message. I wanna do something a little bit different. Uh, We wanna celebrate communion today. We wanna celebrate communion because the celebration of the table of the Lord is to remember his forgiveness for us. It's the first step in empowering you and I to walk in forgiveness. Because let's be honest, we can't do this. It's too heavy of a weight. It's too high of a calling. It's too supernatural of a decision to live out a life of forgiveness. But we can do it in the light of God's grace, amen? With the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the one who first forgave us. 
And so I want to invite our host and hostess to come forward right now to distribute the elements of communion. And you can stay seated if you're joining us. Dulles Campus, stay seated where you are. We're going to invite all of the hosts to come and go ahead and distribute the elements of communion. If you're joining online, go ahead and grab some juice and bread and get ready to join us in just a moment. The Bible admonishes us to examine ourselves when we come to the Lord's table. Communion is an opportunity to recognize the magnitude of the gift of forgiveness and, re and redemption that Jesus offers us. And in so doing, forgive those who have sinned against us. And I want us to make it really personal this morning as you sit and you hold those elements in your hand. This is an opportunity in the grace of this moment to respond. Like the scripture says, you look into the perfect law of liberty, you look into the Bible, you see what it says about forgiveness. Don't go away from this moment as you ponder what I'm sharing with you and wherever you are, online campus tuning in, don't go away from this moment and forget this applies to you. There's a reason why you're tuning in today. There's a reason why you were felt that extra nudge and urge to get up and just get to church this morning, to tune in and to, to make it happen because God has something specific for you today. And I believe it's a, it's a call. I believe it's an urging from the Holy Spirit to take that step of obedient faith because forgiveness is an act of faith. It's saying, God, I'm gonna trust you with this instead of trying to control it, instead of trying to manipulate it. I'm gonna give it to you, I'm gonna lay it down, I'm gonna let it go, and I'm gonna trust you for health, for wholeness, for healing, come on, amen. And as you hold the elements of communion in your hand, this is an opportunity just to, to simply walk in truth by obeying His word. Go ahead and stand with me, church, all across Dulles Campus in Tinley Town, now that you have the elements in your hand. I'm gonna lead us now in receiving the bread and the cup, as we often do. But the difference today is going to be this. It's gonna be that when I'm done, it, when we're done um, hearing the scripture and, and taking of the, the elements, we're, I'm gonna ask you to turn and pray with your husband, your wife, your friend, your neighbor, if you feel comfortable. If you don't know them, that's fine. You don't have to like touch them or anything. You can just bow your head and pray. But this is an opportunity for you to take one step in your own heart. Maybe you have some business to do between you and God to release that forgiveness to someone. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and saying, I've forgiven you. You need to release this person. Let's take that opportunity now. I wanna just share with you, you know, the Bible says in James 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live whole and healed. That's what we're gonna do today. You don't have to do a lot of talking. It goes on to say that the prayer of a person living right with God is something to be reckoned with. Do you know that person standing next to you is covered by the blood of Jesus and their prayers of faith are powerful. They're a force to be reckoned with in your life and mine. And the power of community is that when we join our faith together, it's not multiplication, it's exponential, amen? 
And God's grace is here in this moment to empower you to do the impossible. What is impossible with man is possible with God, amen? Experiencing forgiveness and then forgiving others is a supernatural act of faith. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup together. Now take a moment and pray for that person that you're with today. Let's pray together for each other. out of our past and into wholeness, into a life with a soul that is prospering. Help us respond today, God, in humility with an open heart. Help us to receive your forgiveness and supernaturally release those who have sinned against us. God, help us to walk in truth, to live lives of obedience to you, to live lives that are vulnerable and transparent before you. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.